What is up, everybody? Adrian M. Gibson here. What you're about to hear is the audio version of a live author panel recorded at TBRCon 2023. TBRCon is an all-virtual sci-fi, fantasy, and horror convention that I directed and organized and was founded by David Walters of Fanfy Addict. And this year, we had the pleasure of hosting 30 author panels, which were absolutely amazing, and I highly recommend checking them out. But since so many of you listen to podcasts and prefer that over watching things on YouTube, I have published this live author panel here on the SFF Addicts podcast feed. I'll be releasing a new author panel every Friday until they run out. So until then, sit back and enjoy this week's TBRCon 2023 author panel. Enjoy. Welcome to TBRCon 2023. Thanks for tuning into our panel on the rise of horror fiction. Um, just real quick, if you're watching the uh, panel live, be sure to um, comment and drop questions in the chat box because I'll be looking at them periodically during the session and um, shouting a few of them out as we go along and we'll try to answer questions as we go. Um, and maybe we'll have some time at the end to answer some, do some Q and A as well. Uh, so we definitely want to hear from you guys as we, as we move forward. Um, figure we'll start off by getting some introductions. We'll go around the room and introduce ourselves. And, uh, then I figured it'd be fun to drop one little piece of information about ourselves unrelated to writing or horror fiction, uh, that folks may find interesting. So, uh, if you're comfortable with doing that, go for it um i'll start and i'll go clockwise as uh your faces appear on my screen so uh i'm tamire author of several horror novels and stories including malignant summer and the switch house uh and my latest came out or this past year called to see the sky i started publishing in 2012 around there and uh now i mostly work with small independent press presses but i also um mix some self-publishing stuff in there as well mostly for my my weirder stuff that nobody wants to take uh so that's me as a writer as for you know, one thing people might not know about me i'm a huge basketball fan and i'm pretty good at playing basketball as well where i used to be i am trying to get back into shape and there's like a local league a summer league um in my neighborhood that they have and i'd like to to do that again so uh, i don't think my body will hold up but i'm gonna try so um that is me and i'm gonna move on to candace i knew i was gonna be <laughs> you're the next one you got this candace hello everybody i am candace nola um started publishing back in 2019 i am the creator of the horror website uncomfortably dark, uh, mostly because one, I'm uncomfortable all the time, and I write really dark stuff, so that's where the name is from. Um, I've been out here for about four and a half years now, and the last year and a half has been a wild ride, to say the least. Uh, let's see, one fun fact about me. Um, Let's go with, uh, I was raised by a team of paranormal investigators. So 
that was a nice uh, experience for the that's last funny. half of my life at home. So yeah, that's me. Interesting. That is awesome. Uh, all right, Chad Lutsky, you're up. I am Chad Lutsky, and I write dark literary stuff. I guess crime thrillers and some humor. Uh, I guess I'm mostly known for uh, my grief, emotional horror, heartfelt horror, what people have been calling it, um, stuff that makes people cry. Uh, unrelated to writing, uh, I'm a musician. I, guitar was my first love. Uh, well, horror, I guess, was my first love, and then and then a guitar um, from the age of five probably until about 27 i wanted to be a rock star so it was either that or a special effects artist for horror movies but here i am writing words that i'm not singing so very cool uh jonathan jans hello uh so yeah i have my most recent stuff uh is I, i wrote a book called the dismembered which is a novella that just came out in november and i write all sorts of horror and i i think that like mentioning one, one weird fact this isn't a weird fact but this is just the first thing that popped into my head i uh cry a lot during shows and movies and my kids it's funny like my middle daughter is like at peace with it she just kind of like stares straight ahead when i cry my my son like defends me which is pretty cool he's 17 he's like hey let him let him feel my youngest and they're all three awesome but my youngest daughter she is just so flummoxed she's so put off like and, and she like tries to anticipate when i'll cry and she'll just watch me i'm, I'm like i'm like dude will you watch this? and they're they're like buying hardware in the show right now i'm not gonna cry right but then i'll cry very frequently i i, I we went to a production of charlie brown christmas um, that my wife did the music for, and I cried at this little this civic theater play locally. Um, so I have a real problem. Um, and, and, hopefully, and hopefully at some point, my youngest daughter will like play him, d- uh, despite my crying. All right, you go, y'all go ahead. <laughs> I feel like we should diagnose that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> <I'm invited. laughs> now, uh, Haley. Hi, I'm Haley Piper. I'm the author of uh, Queen of Teeth, No Gods for Drowning, The Worm and His Kings, and a few other books. Um, had short stories in Pseudopod, Vestarian, and a lot of other places. Um, I really would need to prepare a weird fact because my brain is just all books a lot of the time. Um, I like movies a lot. I don't think that's a strange or uncommon fact, but I just watch a lot of them. So, <laughs> Cool. Awesome. And uh, Zach. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Zach Rosenberg. Uh, 2020 was really my first year submitting, um, and I have works out or coming up in places like Seize the Press, Dark Matter Magazine, The Deadlands. Uh, My first anthology was Nightmare Sky, and one I'm really proud of coming up is going to be Shakespeare Unleashed. And my my first novella is coming out in May. It's a horror western called hungers as old as this land and i really like writing jewish horror um and a fun fact about me that not a lot of people know um in the in the book scene is i am an attorney as my day job which is probably scarier than any stories 
I'm sure you get a lot of story ideas from that job, though. That's that's <laughs> definitely a job where you get a lot of stories from. Like, yeah, I love the title of that western too. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Chad. Cool. Awesome. All right. So uh, I figure we would kick this off the only appropriate way I know how to kick off a, a horror fiction podcast, and that is to talk a little bit about our gateway into indie horror fiction. Um, I, I know a lot of us probably grew up on, you know, the Kings and the Barkers and like the big names, but um, I would like to know what are some of your more like lesser known um, authors that kind of you helped discover. It could be an author or it could be a press that you followed. Um, so Candace, can we start with you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. Perfect. I promise you won't start all the time. We'll, we'll do like a, a snake and we'll come. We'll, you'll be last sometimes too. Oh, it's fine. I'm here now. <laughs> um, let's see. So indie horror fiction so yeah i was raised on the king's and poe was probably my first Edgar Allan poe when i was eight and then king by the time i was 11 but um i really stumbled onto the indie horror scene when i was about God, I don't know. It was probably around 2000, so I was probably about 26 or so. And I discovered Strand, um, Just Strand, and Lee Mountford shortly after that. Um, Ian Rob Wright, um, which I love. I think I, when I discovered him, I pretty much read straight through everything the man had ever written twice because I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was so used to just like the mainstream and then all of a sudden I had him and Strand and Malfi and then from there I discovered folks like Jonathan Jans over here that I've been a secret fan of for a <laughs> long time and um, I think back in 2019 or so when I first started to publish I discovered Extreme horror like Aaron Beauregard and Daniel Bopi, um, Ralston, people like that. And then from there just kind of grew to now I feel like I know about 70% of the industry. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Lutsky, what about you? Um I, I don't remember how I I don't remember stumbling onto any one author. I think what happened was um, my childhood best friend uh, who I hadn't seen in decades, his son reached out to me online um, and I'd never met him before. Uh, we struck up this kind of this friendship right after he won a writing contest at his, uh, at, at his high school. And he started telling me about this little indie horror scene online that he was associating with. And I didn't even realize that indie publishing or small press publishing was a thing. Um, last I knew there was like traditional and then vanity where you pay like 400 bucks and you get your, your stuff. Um, but I hadn't looked into it in, for a really long time. Um, so when we started talking about um, uh, all of this, I was really interested, particularly about how publishers were now taking submissions through email. 
because the last time I sent a story in, uh, which was probably around 1994, it was snail mail, snail mail and it took forever and I just stopped. I didn't have the patience for that. Um, so I, I just, you know, got married, started family and all this and all that stuff. But when so when hearing about all this electronic stuff, I thought, oh, man, maybe I should, uh, um, you know, look into that. So I just, you know, I, be, I became part of this uh, really small group online of writers um and then just started getting turned on to you know stuff from there and networking and meeting people and uh but i, I can't think of any one book or one any one author um i've always been very diy and so uh being introduced into this indie scene felt very punk rock to me uh so i was immediately attracted to that um yeah, I looked to in, into it and just dove headfirst, started writing. Uh, uh, yeah, within a year, yeah, within a year of of starting to write again, um, I published a Foster Homes and Flies, and then uh, someone had pointed out to me that uh, Jack Ketchum was talking about it, so started a short-lived relationship with him, and then that whole experience was like pouring gas on a fire that had just barely been lit so but I, I can't pinpoint anyone i get asked that a lot what you know like a movie or book or whatever i don't know man yeah i can't remember but just that that my my friend's kid so that's cool though it's yes yeah, so that's all it takes sometimes um yeah. jans what about you what was your your gateway yeah i think that one cool thing about it is that there are there are authors that I mean, you talked about it, Tim. By the way, thank you, Candace, for what you said earlier. I forgot to thank you. That was awesome. Uh, but Tim, you were talking about like, you know, you you publish these stories this way, and those stories get published by this, whatever. And I think that that's that that's a cool thing. And I think that you know, Chad, you've you've alluded to that the, the way technology has changed publishing, and I just feel like you know people can be more diversified in their approach, and and and. What I noticed, I guess I got into indie horror without realizing I was getting into it because people like Lansdale, Joe Lansdale, and and you mentioned Jack Ketchum, Brian Keene, people, you know, they, they, they were mass market writers, but they were also independent writers. Like some of the stuff they were doing was being published by independent publishers and in and, and different types of publishing and that i I think unwittingly i started to read some of it that way and you know it was it's generally going to be a little different than the mainstream stuff um you know sometimes it's more experimental sometimes it's more extreme sometimes it's whatever but i think that it's it's just a it, it satisfies a lot of needs for readers and maybe scratches itches that we don't realize that we have as readers so I guess I got into it that way. And then when I started attending conventions, you start to meet people. Um, and that's how then you start reading their stuff. And uh, through Scares That Care was one of the main conventions, still is, uh, that I attend. And I met a lot of great writers that way and read a lot of their work. And you mentioned publishers. There's one publisher I wanted to mention specifically, and that's Valencourt. Um, Valencourt um, comes out with so many amazing books and they're really good with like forgotten books or books that maybe never got their due in the first place. And I just really admire and appreciate. And essentially, I mean, it's not like it's a hundred percent like hit for me, but probably like 
80% of the time, if I get a Valancourt book, I end up loving it. Um, and that's how I've discovered a lot of writers, some of them obscure, some of them famous, like maybe like Michael McDowell, who's an amazing writer, and a lot of people know about him. But there are other writers that maybe people don't know about and wouldn't know about if not for Valancourt. So I think they're, they're, a, they're a publishing house that does a lot of good. Yeah, they've been putting out like the uh, the paper back from hell re-releases, right? That's, That's right. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. That's awesome. Uh, Haley, what about you? What was your your gateway? Um, I had to think back with this because there was a long time where I just I, I, you know, Jonathan's talking about uh, reader needs, and that was kind of the problem I was having for a while because I just I was. I'd gotten washed, like I'd gone through all the Kings and, and I was kind of done with Koontz and such. And I just like, I just didn't have anything to read for a while. Um, and then I, uh, got an anthology, uh, a mountain walked, um, that was like all like cosmic horror and stuff. And, um, I started looking into some of those authors and some of them were big, like Neil Gaiman, for example, but some of the people, a lot of them were people I'd never heard of before. And that kind of just led me down a rabbit hole. And I think like the first book I picked up, um, just trailing along from that was like, I found like sci-fi and scary. And I picked up the rust maidens by Gwendolyn Keist, who now she's like a bigger name, but back then it was like her first novel. Um, that just led me to like Sarah Tantlinger, Claire Holland, like Nadia Bulkin, like all these people who are writing stuff that was completely different from the stuff you'd find in Barnes and Noble, for example. In fact, like at the time, I don't think Barnes and Noble had a horror section again yet. I think they cleared that out in the early aughts and it was still gone even in the late uh, 2010s. Um, so suddenly I went from having nothing to read at all to having the giant overflowing TBRs that I think a lot of us are used to having at this point and just like the, the reality of never going to get through all of these, but that's, it's a good problem to have because there's just more and more amazing indie horror coming out every year. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great problem uh, to have. Yeah. It's, good. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Uh, Zach, what about you? Um, well, it's interesting because, you know, basically I'm kind of a fan of pretty much everyone here with me. Um, I kind of cut my teeth on horror when I was like a really little kid. I would be in the school section. I would be in my school library section reading every R.L. Stein book I could. It, like start off with like the Goosebumps and the Fear Streets and then probably going for his more teenager ones when I was too young for that. So I never really um, got away from horror. It was always kind of with me and I would read like the classic stuff. Um, I would take courses in college on gothic horror and, you know, all kinds of other horror stuff. Um, and obviously I read like Stephen King and the more mainstream ones. And then um, kind of, I, I began like looking around and just, you know, asking, like just typing into Google, basically uh, best horror of the year. And so, so, so like, I never really out. Like every so often I would, I would get like an edition of cemetery dance if it fell into my hands but it wasn't really something I knew was a very thriving scene. But when I began seeing what else was published out there, um, I kind of got thrown in the deep end pretty quickly because I, I remember reading a site that recommended me one of Raph James White's books. So I ordered that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, and I'm at work in like my cubicle, like reading this book, and I'm just kind of like looking over my shoulder, making sure no one else <laughs> this. Um, and from there, um, really, I got on Twitter and I just kind of began following a lot of people here. Um, I picked up, you know, the Sorrows by Jonathan Johns. I picked up uh, Benny Rose, The Cannibal King by Haley Piper. And I'm just like blown away at all this stuff. And I just began, you know, seeing more people online and 
meeting more people in person and picking up their works. And I decided, you know, hey, this is this is fun. I should write my own. That's awesome. Yeah, I love how like we all have like different avenues into to the genre and into indie publishing. So that's really cool. Mine's similar to Jan's. Like I uh I I was a big fan of the leisure paperbacks, um, like in the mid two thousands, like the Brian Keene, the Edward Lees and when that whole publisher went under and they kind of were forced to kind of go independent, um, that's kind of where where like I kind of latched on and I was writing my own stuff and and that's was just kind of my avenue into it. So um yeah, that's awesome. Uh the convention actually post a question in the comments that looks interesting. Um is there a line or toe you don't cross in your fiction to get a scare, gross out, or without a better term, surprise your audience? I feel indie has that ability to experiment with extremes. Um, Zach, do you want to you want to go first on that? Sure. Um, lines I won't cross. Um, one thing I try very hard not to do when I'm writing is trying not to appropriate trauma that does not belong to me, um, even you know, for a cheap scare. Like when I'm writing, I enjoy writing um, diverse casts in horror. I enjoy writing, um, you know, like I said, I write Jewish horror and that can deal sometimes very heavily trauma, but that's my culture's trauma to explore. I'm not going to try to take something uh, that, you know, is not mine to explore. Um, I, 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 I would say that, you know, when I'm writing something like that, I want to make uh, the reader think, you know, I want to scare them. I want to make them uncomfortable. What I don't want to do is offend them. Um, what I don't want to do is to um, cross those lines that aren't mine, even for even for a scare. And I think by kind of like staying in my lane, I can still achieve effective scares that way. Cool. Haley? Um. It's not something I dedicate a lot of thought to. I try to approach writing generally with, you know, sincerity and sensitivity, not with the sense of like one to be exploitative. Um, so I end up just it, kind of just trusting my instincts to write what I feel like writing and not write what I don't feel like writing. Um, I don't know if it's something I need to put more thought into, but so far it's been okay. Um, I just trust my gut, I guess. Good stuff. Uh, Jans, what about you? Yeah, I I have to, like, Haley kind of um, articulated my thoughts. I think that's the same way. I kind of go a little bit by instinct. I mean, I, I, I always try to, like, think about why I'm doing something. I want to make sure I'm coming from a place of, like, you said, like, sincerity, authenticity, that's really important to me. And I want to make sure that I that my I mean, my intentions are always good. Um, but yeah, I guess I always want to look at it from different, like get outside my own head and look at what I'm doing from different perspectives and, and make sure that what I'm doing is something I can feel good about doing. Um, like, it's really important just for me in life for my actions to match my beliefs, right? And so I never want, I mean, there might be horrific acts in my stories, but I think that the way that those are handled is everything. So I just want to make sure, I guess, that my actions, even as a writer, match up with the things that I want to stand for and the things that I believe. 
there might be something horrible there, but it's never going to be like glorified. Um, and and uh, I mean, I again, I don't know if that's a, a good answer or not, but I, I go largely on instinct, kind of like Haley. Cool. Chad? Uh, yeah, what yeah, kind of what Haley said, uh, except that um, I, if there, um, I mean, the answer ultimately is no. There, uh, I don't think that, what's the question? If they're lying, you don't cross. I don't really think about that, I guess. Um, if, if, uh, usually if I tackle something that, that I think maybe another author might not cross or want to cross, I do it tactfully. And so I trust myself to write about that, whatever it is that, uh, that someone might think, oh, you shouldn't do that. Pale White is a perfect example. Three girls used in sex trafficking. But instead of the events, it's the aftermath and the psychological effect that they had on that that it had on them, the escape and the unity that they had. Um, it's, you know, uh, less is more. I don't need to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. I don't think that I need to do anything gratuitous to get any kind of point across. But, um, and like Jan said, I want my stuff to match my beliefs. So, uh, um, I, I, which I guess stops any kind of temptation for me really to, cross the line in the first place you know it's not like oh man should i really go here and if if if, if it's a tie like i said if it's a topic that um and maybe i shouldn't i know i trust myself to know that it would be handled tactfully and um that there won't be complaints hopefully and so far at least with that book there there wasn't so cool candace um, I would have to agree with pretty much everyone else. Um, I don't really have any lines per se. It's not like I have any rules as I write. It's just one, I write whatever the story needs. Um, I write a lot of very extreme things. I write a lot of very graphic things depending on the story and what it's for. But um, I do not glorify whatever those acts are. It's written for whatever the need is to drive the story to the next part, and that's it. It's not meant to be glorified in any way, but it is meant to make the reader uncomfortable. It is meant to make them feel some type of way and for them to be appalled or horrified or scared at the end of the day, but it's not meant to glorify. It's just meant to, we're at this point, this is what's going to drive us to the next scene and I move on. Um, I don't have lines. It's just a matter of, is it written the right way? Is it written res respectfully enough with, regards to anyone that may have went through whatever those actions are, whatever that act is, or may have relative, and how would they feel if they read it. But I also feel like a lot of the fans of horror, especially extreme, a lot of them also read it to help them process some of their own uncomfortable things that they have went through. So sometimes I feel like it also helps them to read it from that other point of view too and allows them to process through a lot of it 
when they may not be so willing to go to a counselor or talk to a friend or whatever it is, but it helps them kind of like relive their, their own, but in a way that they can actually look at it from a different light. So I don't cross lines. I just write whatever it needs. That's about it. Well, all good answers. Um, I'm, you know, the same way. Like, I don't really think about it too much. Um, but if if I do write something that's like, that I'm hesitant to because of the subject matter, um, definitely with respect and empathy for for that, um, I think it's, it's pretty key when you're writing those scenes. But um, I do feel just to um, address the question at the end where like Indy has more kind of flexibility for extremes. Like I do feel that like Indy can get away with a lot more stuff in terms of like content that a lot of mainstream publishers aren't going to touch per se. Um, so yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, all right, cool. Uh, I see another question in there that kind of ties into something I was going to mention. Um, so like we've seen kind of indie horror fiction kind of rise up over the years and, and become pretty popular. Um, and maybe it's just because like we're in it. So like we see the popularity rising. Um, but I don't know. I seem to think that, that we're, that the popularity of, of indie publishing and the horror genre is kind of uh getting a lot of traction so um what do you guys think is the driving force behind that um or horror in general like what do you think is is making that happen um jans we'll start with you we'll start yeah. with this time. we should make candace go first on all no. of these <laughs> <laughs> no. um, i you know i i'm not a businessman um at all so so i might be completely off base here but it's funny, I feel like that changes within the industry, changes within the world. I think all of that, obviously, we are part of that world. So those things impact us. And it's weird, like the analogy as you were talking that I was thinking of was like college basketball, like the landscape of and I know you're a basketball person, Tim, but the, the mm -hmm. landscape of college basketball has changed because the rules have changed. Um, now, like, like college athletes can make money. Um, on their name, image, and likeness, and um, the transfer rules are relaxed. And some of that's, you know, some of that transferring stuff isn't always good. But what it's starting to lead to, I notice in college basketball, is a lot more parity. Um, you don't have these superpowers, these galactic superpower basketball teams just crushing everybody and running roughshod over the entire landscape. Like on any given night, any college basketball team can lose. Um, my, my Purdue team is number one, and they play tonight, and they could lose. Um, and I feel like a similar thing has sort of happened with publishing, where before it was like, you know, these giant monolithic houses were really, it's like, I think, Chad, were you the one that said it earlier? It was either like, it was vanity, or it was, you know, big Tradition, five, yeah. right? traditional and and now there are just so many different like strata of 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 publishers and so many different um areas that publishers can you know needs that they can fulfill that i feel like that is that helps like disperse talent and i feel like also there's more like opportunity 
um, now than there was for a greater number of people, which is a really wonderful thing. Um, so I feel like, you know, you really see a like independent horror, you see, like, kind of like that, that, I guess, dispersal of of talent and ability, like really a lot of it ending up in indie horror, at least a lot of books being published in that realm. And then I think also, um, you know, indie is, is willing to, it's, it's probably a little bit, I don't know, it's almost like it's a little ahead of the curve because it moves faster, right? For a traditional, and I, you know, I love big five books, of course, but if you sign right now a contract in 2023, that book might not come out till 2025. Um, whereas, you know, you sign with an indie publisher and it could come out faster. So sometimes you see changes in publishing happen earlier in, in the indie world than you do elsewhere. And that means that some of those opportunities that are there for like marginalized voices start to appear in indie horror, um, maybe before or at a greater speed than in other, um, in the larger houses and um and i think that that's like that's a really positive thing for indie horror right i think any kind of um any kind of diversity is going to really strengthen um the the entire like um level of publishing whether it's you know whether it's self publishing or big 5 or indie or whatever so i just i really feel like the changes that have occurred in the business i think that we're seeing the effects uh, a lot in indie and they're very positive changes i feel like so that was a lot of babbling i'll shut up you guys will probably have better answers than i will so you all go ahead uh Haley, what about you <laughs> i think i think jonathan hit on like every single point <laughs> from that so it was it was not a bad answer it was just it was just comprehensive um, <laughs> that's a very kind way to put it cause, Thank cause, you. <laughs> yeah because like i was gonna say i think the world state is going to affect you know the horror and the horror is going to find its audience and with indie allow having you know a greater number of doors open it allows for a greater variety of voices which means you're going to have a wider variety of readers finding oh i like horror or i like this type of horror or there's a horror for me there's there's a kind of horror for everybody so it's going to continue to broaden the landscape Zach, what about you? You're muted, buddy. You're muted. I think you're muted. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, I think Haley and Jonathan said it great. Um, I think one reason one reason for it is we have a more diverse reader base. Um, you know, when horror has expanded, it's touched more people, and more people want to see more experience, more culture, more diversity in publishing. They want to see. Um, people bring their truth and bring their perspectives. And I think a big part of it is horror is also very healing in a way. Um, horror is in a great deal of ways, centering the outsiders, centering uh, people overcoming in ways that, you know, you might not see in other genres and, you know, seeing that for other voices and diverse voices and marginalized people can be very liberating in a sense. And I think there's a real growing appetite for that, that makes it, so people want to experience to not only experience things like them, but also read about ex step outside of their comfort zones and read something new. Um, you know, it's personally, I think, you know, Haley and Jonathan said it much more eloquent, eloquent than I did, but that would be my answer. <laughs> Chad. Um, I, I think that uh, these 
bigger no matter what whether whether it be film or music or literature i think that a lot of these bigger corporations are always a couple steps behind uh independent um scenes do a lot of what ha becomes popular later uh so i think the this influx of horror that we've even seen in some of the mainstream stuff lately over the last you know like decade i guess um that part in particular you know looking at it from a different perspective rather than marketing and, and indie versus publishing but the i think the uh, it's the independent like i was saying the, the independent uh uh publishing just like film and and music um being a couple steps ahead of everybody else i think that uh horror in itself right now is so popular and getting more popular and pushing this other stuff because of like environment politically or economically uh rough times seem to bring about like both revolution and dark art uh through the years this has been proven i'm constantly giving musical analogies so i'll i'll i'll, I'll i guess i'll give one but like the drab industrial town of Bur birmingham gave us um black sabbath which changed music drastically into a darker tone uh, uh instead of lyrics about love and hippie stuff we start getting lyrics about the fear of nuclear war and, and uh fear of dying fear of the devil uh seattle did the same thing with their depressing rain and gave birth to this emo version of of rock and uh that we call it grunge and then all the horror films in the 50s with their giant ants and mutant creatures was a response to atomic age and our heads right now and, and for the last you know handful of years are in a really dark place and the that from that dark place dark art kind of springs forth and uh yeah we're we're right now we're scared we're lost we're pissed off and, and i guess it shows in what's being created and i think that these independent scenes push everything that uh um is bigger than it is i think that a lot of these bigger corporations no matter the media they look down and they be like well this is it happens all the time and it's like some some and i'm hoping that it happens again with horror and that it gets even bigger than it is right now as a result of things that are happening underground i just noticed you have the the bear mask from the shining in in, in the background too yes <laughs> i i just noticed it um that's awesome uh candace what about you um i agree with everyone else and i could just stop talking <laughs> it's always hard going last because it's like everybody has such good yeah, yeah. It, yeah. But, you don't, but you don't want to copy off everyone i know <laughs> but i was going to say i think to add to that with the rise of indie um sort of what chad went along with it's I think right now we are giving the readers what they want and the indie houses are trying to give the writers what they want and what they need. And I think the analogy that had popped in my head was kind of like if it was like a drug and it's late at night, you're going down to that part of town, you know, to get your drug of choice. 
And on this corner, you got meth and you got coke and you got heroin and you got your alcohol and you got, you know, whatever. But I feel like we have our own little drug land where it's like, okay, you got your extreme, you got your splatterpunk, you have your heartbreak horror, you have your crime fiction, you have, you know, you can go and pick and choose what your drug of choice is when it comes down to what you want to read. There's literally something for everybody now, every culture, every diversity, every, no matter who you are, what you identify as, what scares you, what you like, what you hate, there's something for everybody right now. And I think that's what the rise behind the indie indie horror has to do with is because when you're in the mainstream, you get just force-fed the same, the same, the same. You have yeah. the same top five authors, the same top 10 in almost all of their books. No disrespect, because I love a lot of them as well, but they seem to follow the same tone and the same style. There's no surprise. There's no, oh my God, was that in there? It's okay, it's comfortable, it's a good read, it's what you're used to from that author, but then you come over here, and it's like a whole new world. It's like you're on a psychedelic acid trip half the time, and you just don't know where to look, because you could go in any direction you want, and then the next night, you can find a whole new author, a whole new direction, and all of a sudden, your to-be-read to pile is a mile high, and you're still not done because you're still discovering a whole new drug. And I think that's why a lot of the readers have found us because they don't want to be, they don't want the whitewash, here's your top five, here's what we want you to read. It's, look who we have to offer you this evening. Here's your new drugs. And it's like, oh, <laughs> open the candy box and here we go. You know, so I, I I just think that there's just so much out here now, and there's more than there's ever been. There's more voices than there have ever been compared to like the 80s and the 90s. Now you have everybody. We're all here, and we're writing from every point around the globe, from every part of town, and every walk of life. And there's a reader out there. For that, there's a reader who's looking to find someone that relates to them. They want to find a book or a story or an author that is like them. They want to say, oh, they get me. Like, they understand me. Like, I can relate to this. I went through this. Like, let me buy some more of her stuff. And with mainstream, you don't really have that deeply relatable connection, I think, that you can find with a lot of the indie horror. So, Perfect. Yeah, that's actually a great segue, too, because, like, you mentioned that there's just so much stuff and there, there's something for everyone, which is a, an amazing part about independent horror fiction. Um, Whimsy Dearest in the chat posts do you feel like the rise uh in popularity of horror makes it easier or harder for new writers to break into the market like i personally i'm leaning towards easier just because of of those those things like that there's just mm -hmm. there's so many avenues and and um like just the audience is clamoring for more stuff um from a wider range of voices but um Haley, we'll start with you we'll start in the middle this time 
Uh, and what do you think? Do you think it's easier, harder, or the same? What are your thoughts? I mean, I think that um, I wouldn't use the word easier so much as there are more opportunities. I think that no matter what, you're still going to have to go through the rigor of submissions, dealing with rejections, all those things, editing, you know, improving your craft, reading more, understanding you know what the landscape is but there are definitely a lot more doors there are a lot more opportunities there are a lot of uh um uh, as you guys were saying the different strata um you can start in different places and, and work your way towards towards whatever your goals happen to be mm -hmm. um so so yeah overall the answer is yes i would just kind of like frame it as like it's still going to be there's still work to do to be done mm -hmm. there yeah. Um, not that it's easy, but like yeah. you said, there's just more opportunities right. available now. Yeah, that, there's, that makes there are different kinds of things you can do. Yeah. Um, Zach, what about you? What do you think? Um, I, I agree with Haley 100% on that. Um, I, I can't say it's easier. Um, and this is me speaking at kind of the beginning of my own career. Um, I, I, I can't say it's easier because it's not necessarily easy. There's always, in my opinion, there's always some difficulty in writing a piece and um, and sub and submitting it um, and editing it and looking at feedback and there's and there's also a luck factor. Even when you send something out, there's a chance that you know it just might it might be a great piece. It just might not be what they're looking for. This issue it might not play well with other stories. And there's and there's fact factors you cannot predict. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I think I ever got um, was from an author who told me it's not just talent, it's endurance. Um, and in, this business does take a lot of that, but it is, but there are more opportunities and there are more doors because at any given time, you can look at uh, multiple places, uh, multiple publications that are always open, always ready for submissions. Um, I'm sure we've all uh, experienced the, I'm sure a lot of people experience the uh, 10 minute rejection from the work at one point, so, but they're always open. Um, <laughs> there's always um, open calls for anthologies and you're always seeing new people um, when those are announced, always seeing people saying this is going to be my first uh, this is my first acceptance or my first pro-rate sale and you really just see that every day there's just so many different places with so many different vibes there's all kinds of different publishers like Tenebris Press is doing great work and uh, Cemetery Gates and Darklit Press and Bridget's Gate Press, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased because they're publishing me, but there are so many different writers and so many different viewpoints and so many new places that are just cropping up all the time. There are just so many different opportunities that I really do think when people keep at it, they have much higher chances than ever before. Candace, what about you? How do you think the publishing landscape affects new writers? I already answered this partially. <laughs> um, again, I'm just going to agree with everyone else. Um, but it's easier to a point. Yes, there's all, always work involved. You need to do the work. You need to put the time in. You need to learn the industry itself as well as your craft. You need to learn everything from the marketing and promoting and submission process and the etiquette of how to approach, you know, fans and readers and publishers and editors and colleagues. You need to learn it. And it does take work. However, with the indie world, 
there are so many different places out there right now who want work, who want every type of story you can throw at them. They want to hear from every type of gender and background and culture and voice that you have because they don't want more of the same. They want something fresh and they want something new and they want something that maybe is not seen or heard or well represented in the traditional world. So you do have so many more avenues now it's like going down the just the mall of the world you know you got a hundred thousand doors that just keep going it's like okay well it didn't fit for this one but i can try this press this press and this one and eventually you're gonna find one that wants you and that has a spot and i do think that alone makes it easier in a sense because 20 years ago, what? We had snail mail. We had to get an agent. We had to query. If no one heard of you and that no one had heard of you and then there no one had, you're not getting anywhere and you're not getting seen or heard or anything because you needed to know someone that knew someone that knew your agent to even get you in the door where nowadays, at least in this part of our world, we can go directly to that press, that editor, that publisher, and say, hey, knock, knock, how you doing? I saw you have a open call, you know, you got room for this, here you go. You know, and they'll come back with the yay or nay, and then if it's a nay, you just keep on going. You don't have to know, you know, 75 people in the industry just to get one person to take a chance. And I think right now there's so many more of us willing to take a ch chance on somebody new. So I think that makes it easier, especially if you're new. I think that's a good point too. Like people don't take into account like the whole business side of, of writing too. And like the connections that you make when you're doing this, how important that plays into sometimes just getting published. So um, probably like social media is just as, as much responsible for the more opportunities that we have now than, than we did, like you said, 20 years ago. So good answer uh chad what about you anything you want to add uh yeah just briefly i'm looking at the question and um uh, it depends on how you define break into the market because if you're talking about um you know just getting your stuff published uh yeah there's more opportunities um if you're talking about um you know winning the lottery the mallerman lottery which he worked his butt off for <laughs> But um, and 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 he he deserves, but that's that's on a different scale. But I I think that, uh, um, you know, I don't know. At first, my answer was was like I think it would be easier. But then I think well, it depends on how much of you know if this goes from being almost like a niche because we're way we're like the bottom rung of literature, you know, romance is like way up here. It was where you're making your money. And um, you would think that that market is oversaturated. And I would think that if you were going to write in the market like that, that it would be harder to, yeah, you can get it published, you can get in there, but are you going to have readers? Because there's so many of them there. Um, I, I don't know. I guess it, it it all depends on what you're exactly you're looking for and what you mean by, um, you know, uh, break into the market. If you just mean like uh, what, what we've all been doing, you know, hanging out with and getting published by small presses or uh, being hybrids. Um, yeah, 
just I, I mean i guess it just boils down to like uh what Haley started out with uh, just more opportunities to be able to do that um i was just thinking about how some of those have gone and thank god i just i remember a long time ago when i first started doing this there were so many for the love um markets like so many where you could it just didn't matter what garbage you wrote you were going to get published and and you can get stuck into that trap. I don't see that. I, it might be out there, off my radar, but I don't see that anymore. And I just, I just thought of that, and I thought that's, it's awesome that you don't see much of that anymore. Cool. Jans, anything you want to add? Well, I, yeah, I, I endorse every single thing that was said by the others. So this is not my throwing cold water on anything because I completely agree with everything they said. And this is not what the question asked. It's just something that occurred to me, you know, when things move fast, um, that does in, in the directions we've talked about that, that velocity, they've been very good directions, very positive changes. Um, so I, I think in the aggregate, this has been, you know, the, the, the increased technology and the speed, all that stuff, more houses, more opportunities. That's all great stuff. Uh, the only thing I would say is that, um, you know, if you are like getting started, um, it doesn't really matter where you are in the process. You still need to um, devote yourself to vetting with whom you work. Uh, you need to be really mindful about the people with whom you work. Um, and I just say that because if things pop up quickly, right, and all of a sudden this house is taking on all these writers and everything seems wonderful. Um, you still need to vet them. You still need to look at them. And this, Chad, you were kind of alluding this a little bit with that for the love, because um, you did like, you know, a lot of those for the love markets, not all of them, some of them were very, you know, good people. But you also had some kind of predatory practices, yeah. right? You could have people taking advantage of people. And I would think that in this like situation that we're all in, I would think that that would be a very real danger right where you are excited it happens quickly um this publisher seems to be the flavor of the month and they're great so let's go with them you still need to to, to research them you need to talk to other writers you need to you know find the people you trust and then and then listen to them and talk to them um and i think most of us have had those mentors but that's so important um i'll just like one example i have my uh the, the my manager um i i was talking to a um a movie person on Tuesday. All right. And, um, I, last week, this movie person reached out. I told that movie person that we would have a phone call this week. Um, and then I told my manager, cause I always loop him in, right. R uh, Ryan Lewis. And I was talking to the guy, the movie guy on, on Tuesday. And, um, and at the end of the conversation, I'm like, well, yeah, so, you know, we'll just see how this goes. We'll talk again soon. And I'll tell Ryan, um, how everything went. And he goes, yeah, Ryan already called me. And I, I'm, I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, Ryan called me a couple days ago to like check me out. And he didn't say it like with chagrin. He wasn't offended. Um, but, but Ryan called him and like, yeah, you're not an asshole, are you? You know, and, and you're not going to like he, he said that to the guys like you're not here to, to take advantage of Jonathan. Are you like who have you worked with? What do you do? Like, what's what's your vision? What are you thinking? And, um, you know, people like that, whoever they are, whether they're fellow writers or, or mentors or agents or whatever they are, those people are worth holding on to. Um, and, and I think that's just an important part of the process. Like if you if you value diversity, which I think the people on this panel do, 
check out the publishing house and see if they value it. Do they actually like, do they apply that to their roster of authors? Is that important to them? Um, you know, vet the kind of people they are. One thing I do is I talk to like people who own bookstores. I talk to them. And I'm like, what's it like dealing with this publishing house? Like, what's your opinion of them and all that stuff? And I, I just think that, you know, it's it's easy to lose sight of that because we all want to, you know, we come at it in good faith and we want to assume everyone does. Not everyone does. All right. Not, you know, some people are in it just for the money. Some people are in it for the quick buck. Some people like being the flavor of the month. So the only thing I would say, and again, with agreement to everything that was said before, please make sure you do your homework and like talk to the the people, talk to people you trust before you sign on the dotted line before you, because you need to value your work. Like if you care about your work, which, you know, most of us do make sure the person to whom you're sending the work is going to be, you know, on the up and up. I'll shut up. Y'all go ahead. No, that's a perfect point. Yeah. You have to do that stuff. Um, it's very important. Uh, so I have like one more topic, I guess we can discuss before we start. Um, closing this thing out and that topic is where do we see indie horror fiction heading in the future um kind of put on our you know time traveling hats and and go into the future and see what we have in store uh candace what do you think what do you what do you see the future of indie horror publishing being <sighs> and i don't <laughs> <laughs> well, you can come back to you if you want. Um, I, 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 I really, well, I hope that there isn't too much of a change from where it currently is now, except that it continues to improve and accept and include and just move on like we already are now just bringing in more folks and more representation to the world just i i don't think there's anything really wrong with the indie horror industry now i i do think we are sort of ahead of the charge when it comes to mainstream versus in indie and what we have out there and the things in the presses that we have to work with, I do think we're already light years ahead of the norm. And I actually, I, I hope that trend continues in 10 years, 20 years. And I hope we're all still like writing it ourselves, not being written by, you know, futuristic things um, that are not of human bent, but um, I would hope that we are still physically writing our own work and we are still being as wildly original as we are now as humans. <laughs> that's, that's what I hope for anyway. Me too. Uh, Chad, what about you? Um. Dude, I have really no idea. I don't know that I'm good at predicting this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think any of us could have predicted 15 years ago where it would be today. Um, but if the current love for horror continues to grow in both film and literature, I think uh, a lot more indie authors will be approached by traditional publishers um, wanting even previously published work. I mean, this happens from time to time. Uh, or he Or hearing from more film producers and agents. I know that's happened to some of us in here. 
Um, so I, I think we might see, you know, I, I talked earlier about um, the Indies being two steps ahead. And I know for a fact that the, the publishing houses look at Amazon, they look at self-publishers, um, varying genres, and they pick up on, on um, they, they're learning stuff, you know, from these self-publishers. Tim, you and I know Dan, who makes, uh, you know, he went from horror to making, um, you know, he makes like, what, six figures a year now. Oh, Dan Pavano? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Making, uh, doing self-publishing stuff. And yeah. um, this this happens with a lot of stuff. So I hope that, I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I hope that the influx continues. So that being said, I hope I'm wrong about uh, the the darker world we live in, the more horror there is. I hope that that, that pattern stop, you know, changes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zach, what about you? What do you, uh, where do you see horror heading or where would you like to see horror indie horror fiction heading? First of all, by the way, sorry about the little technical difficulties there. I think we all know I'm the different camera now, but uh, it's all good. We're happy you're back. Thank you. Um, you know what, when it, when it comes to where horror is going, where I want to see it go, honestly, the, the sky's the limit. I, I don't think anyone can predict who is writing now, who is being inspired now, who is picking up their first Haley Piper book or Chad Litzka book or Candace Nola book or Jonathan John's book and, or Tim Meyer book and thinking, or a, any number of anyone else, um, and just thinking, Hey, this is giving me an idea or, Hey, I think I want to do this. Um, I, I don't think any of us could have predicted how 2022 would have gone. I mean, we've gone from, you know, like people were saying, the big five to a book about a vagina monster winning the Stoker Award. And that's that's amazing. Um, I, I am just of the opinion that, you know, what I want to see is a bunch more cool writers, a bunch more cool publishers, a bunch more cool magazines. I mean, just in the last few years, we have uh, publications like tenebrous press and shortwave press and magazines like the deadlands and seize the press just like really cool really cutting edge um really just impactful works all with their own unique vibe all coming out and the when they come out people write for them and the more people who are right the more people who are inspired it's this wonderful uh it's this wonderful cycle and I, I just don't think anyone can predict what's, where it comes next. I mean, if if I have my wish, it would be, you know, everyone here is going to come out with more awesome books that are going to reach readers and inspire them and scare the hell out of them. Um, you know, like one, you know, I just want to also talk about my admiration for, you know, um, everyone here again, because I think, you know, all of you are huge inspirations to me. You're all kind of literary chameleons, like, you know, Jonathan Johns was talking about the dismembered. And one thing I've noted is Jonathan Johns will do like completely different styles. Like he'll have a vampire Western and a werewolf horror and a serial killer book. And just recently, um, I read The Dismembered, and it's like a old school gothic horror that you could imagine being produced by like Hammer Horror from the set from the you know the 1970s. Yes. Um, and Haley Piper, who has like kind of a slasher urban legend and a creepy possession story, and now a fantasy noir cosmic horror. And you know, there's as long as there's creativity in writers, I think indie horror is going to keep doing well and thriving. And as long as people are writing to inspire others, then I think that you're going to see 
more great authors. I think there's a niche for everyone to keep writing that that uh, that truth for them, because I really think that, you know, the books people are writing are the books only they can write. And I want to see more of those stories. Awesome. Jans, what about you? Thank you very much, uh, my friend. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think uh, one thing uh, Chad was talking about, like music um, um, and how that 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 little um you know correlation i i was thinking about and i know you all a few of you have mentioned film like right now in film it's such an exciting time for horror it's so exciting right now like there's so many great things coming out like as we speak in the horror world like stuff you've never seen before movies that you know some of them are more traditional some of them are just 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 wild um, and I just love that we're seeing that from different studios. And I feel like that kind of, I don't know, like, like this, this in, incredible um, originality and variety that we're seeing in film. I feel like that's the sort of thing that we're seeing. In, and I feel like those two kind of inform each other, right? It's like if you talk to, to some of these movie people, like, first of all, they, are, they, they pay a lot of attention to horror not just they, they look at every level of horror and um you see i think of a story a, a movie like barbarian um and i, I feel like a, a movie like barbarian it just breaks so many rules like it, it like changes what it is completely midstream and then i look at like skinnamarink which i i've not seen skinnamarink yet but I've, I've read so many things i feel like i've watched it already um but you've just got like these things that are so different than anything that's come before and I feel like, in, 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 I guess my point in bringing that up, not just artistically, but the financial models on which all those different things are built are very different, right? Like some of these movies like um, Smile will have a bigger studio maybe behind them, but then you have other things made um, where there might not be. Maybe it's just a little independent studio. Um, and then you have a movie like Host, from a couple years ago that just breaks the rules of what how long a movie can be right and then in an, who, who, who would have ever thought that you could have a movie about an online seance and have that be any good at all and then it turns out to be one of the scariest movies ever made so i just feel like that that wild explosion of creativity um not only in the content but in the way that movies get made i feel like we're going to see in our seeing that happen in the writing world as well like i, I think we're going to see uh, books coming out in new ways um i think we're going to see books coming out um using different models um you know so i think the business uh, is going to get really creative in how it produces books um so i really feel like all those things that are happening in movies w if we're not already seeing it in the writing world we're going to really see that over the next 10 years which is just all exciting because I love, I mean, I love big budget studio movies like Nope, and I love little tiny hole in the wall movies that nobody knows about, right? But but me and my daughter that we discover on Shutter, I just love that, and I think that that kind of thing is going to be modeled and already is being modeled in the writing world. All right, next person, sorry. <laughs> um, Josh Mallerman says, "Let's have an online seance right now," which. No. I'm kind of into it though. Like oh, I'm out. <laughs> Don't think about Daphne, everyone. <sighs> uh, 
Haley, what about you? What do you uh, what do you want to see? Um, I think that indie horror is such a fertile ground for different possibilities, and and uh, that imagination can go in any direction without restraint. Um, I would just like to see it get bigger and big enough to continue challenging the bigger publishers to have to to get to 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 get more like indie i suppose is the best way to put it to where they they have to rethink things and not in a way like candace was saying where they start looking for non-human alternatives because i don't think that that route can come up with the things that we're seeing in indie um and if those bigger avenues want to keep a readership then they're going to have to let that kind of ingenuity continue to play out and if they don't then it's just going to all get grabbed up by indie anyway so really i think no matter what happens it's a win-win for indie horror and hopefully therefore a win-win for imagination awesome i see uh jans is all ready for the seance um i'm all ready <laughs> but so before we sign off uh i just want to go around one last time um you guys can just kind of pitch something that you have coming out or your most recent work and then i figure it'd be cool <clears throat> to also uh recommend a work of a fellow indie horror author that is not you so, uh, <laughs> Mallerman's hilarious. I love Mallerman. <laughs> um, Candace, you want to start us off? Oh, Tim. Oh, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't even know. I don't have anything here. Um, I guess something I just came out with. So, I have Trapped Out now. Which is the um, the twenty twenty two anthology for uncomfortably dark. Uh, the hard covers are being printed right now, but the paperback and the ebook came out in November, and the reviews for that are doing very well. I do have my um, creature feature novella out, which is all over the place right now. Uh, that's Bishop. Sorry. I'm sure you all know by now that I also stutter. <laughs> but yeah, that that is out. And there is going to be a part two out coming um, right at the tail end of March, just in time for author author con at the end of March. So stay tuned for that. Um, and you said one thing we want to recommend right now. Yeah. So a friend of mine actually came out with a pretty good novel in December. So beneath the unspoiled wilderness by Nicholas P. Robinson, one hell of a slasher uh, plus it's got a little bit of everything in there and it's one wild ride so that's one that i would really uh like to push right now i guess because i loved it so awesome yeah awesome cool i have to check that out um chad um i'll go with the indie author first uh Tim McGregor finally has Wasps in the Ice Cream coming out. 
in February. I blurbed it maybe a year ago, and it is great. Uh, great coming of age, very witchy, very uh, wholesome and heartfelt, and uh, just a really good book. So I would encourage people to grab that. I can't remember who's publishing it. Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then tomorrow, uh, I have my crime thriller, Three Smile Mile, coming out. Uh, Actually, it's available right now. Don't, don't tell anyone. But uh, officially, it comes out tomorrow. Paperback. Uh, Pre-order the Kindle right now for ninety-nine cents, and then at midnight it goes to like two ninety-nine. So, I'm I'm hearing it's uh, I'm hearing that it's McCarthy and Elmore Leonard, S.A. Cosby. Um, it definitely has Lansdale in it. All my stuff has Lansdale in it. So. Cool. Zach, what about you? What do you got coming out and what's your book rec? Well, actually, Chad actually just took my book rec. Uh, I actually just finished uh, Wasps in the Ice Cream last night and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right um, so I will just, uh, so, you know, just giving a couple shout outs, just the most recent things I read. Um, I would say Tim McGregor's Lore from Tenebrous Press is absolutely fantastic. It is one of the creepiest, most beautiful folk horrors I have read in a long time. And the two I've uh, also read that are coming out soon. Um, Laurel Hightower, Laurel Hightower's Every Woman Knows This Collection, which is fantastic, and it's coming out from Death Nail Press. And also uh, from Dark Matter, Inc., Ai Jang's uh, Ling Hun is one of the greatest things I have read, like, ever, and everyone needs to get it when it comes out. It is beautiful and sad and scary, and everyone needs to just pick it up. Um, for the stuff I have coming up, uh, my debut novella is coming out this May. My horror western, uh, my Jewish horror western, Hunger is as old as this land, which I'm really excited for. Uh, Keelan Patrick Burke did the cover art. Um, so basically, I'm just basically just following along with folks and figuring out what to do as I go. And also this summer from Off Limits Press, I should have my Jewish detective Polpar coming out called The Long Shalom. <laughs> That's and great. I, just, like, I describe that as like um, a Jewish... Um, Raymond Chandler meets Laird Barron meets, uh, you know, Cosmic Horror. So I am super excited for that one. That's awesome. Thank Malerman you. says he needs he needs the Jewish horror Western now. So yeah. you got to get that to him. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, Jans, what do you got? Okay, so since I had some stuff come out relatively recently, I feel like I've been in a lot of like self-promotion mode. Um, so I'll just really quickly hit those, then we'll go on to the recommendations. So Blood Country, which is The Raven 2, um, came out in October, and then The Dismembered came out in um, uh, November, and then the limited edition of Marla came out in October, I believe, as well. So all three of those came out. Hopefully there'll be a mass market edition of Marla here down the road. Um, and I've got other stuff coming in 2023, but what I'd like to do is recommend a writer for you. Uh, Faye Snowden is uh, the name, and Faye has written this so far. It's a duology with um, A Killing Fire and A Killing Rain. And um, the thing that, sh that, that she does so well, like, I just, I, I love stuff that's, I guess we all love stuff that's immersive, but just really transports me to her world. Um, I just feel like I'm living in another place. I feel like I'm, it's so sensory. It's so vivid. 
So if you if you really want one of those experiences that will just totally captivate you, that will commandeer your senses and transport you to a different world, um, read Faye Snowden's A Killing Fire and A Killing Rain. All right. That sounds amazing, and I want that right now. Yeah. Uh, Haley, what about you? Uh, let's see. My most recent book out was uh, No Gods for Drowning. came out the of September last year from uh, Polis Books. Um, that's a horror noir dark fantasy and then uh i've got i've got a few books coming out this year so i'll just plug one of them which is a light most hateful my small town survival horror book coming out from titan uh in october um then my recommendation is um blurb this one i think it was last year i can't keep track of time anymore to be perfectly honest um but uh sometimes we're cruel by uh jw mccarthy this is just a beautiful collection of short short stories it's amazing horror um i think one of these was in uh one of ellen datlow's best horror of the year uh anthology so i highly recommend that and also ling hoon uh as zach was was mentioning because i i read that recently too and it was incredible i think that comes out in april from dark matter beautiful book cool that's so many books to read now <laughs> um i'm going to just mention this uh anthology called shredded which is a sports and fitness anthology uh oh. body horror anthology uh so it's like two of my favorite things sports and body horror combined to one book um it's edited by uh eric raglan at uh cursed morsels so uh Great stories in there. Definitely check that out. Uh, as for me, I have um, like three things coming out this year. I got a novel from through Darklit Press coming out in August called Lacuna's Point. Um, I have a novella coming out through Ghoulish called Rainbow Filth, and I'm editing a an anthology for Crystal Lake Publishing called Never Wake, which also comes out at some point in 2023. So uh pretty excited about all those um and uh yeah so that was our panel uh hope you all enjoyed participating and watching at home and yeah thanks everyone for coming out